بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله ومن والاه الحمد لله نحمد الله سبحانه وتعالى ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وصل الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم افتح لنا فتح العارفين ووفقنا توفيق الصالحين وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم So So he begins with the ninth maqam. He, uh, Ibn, Ibn al-Sidi uh, uh, al-Mawaq said that there were in each of the zalimun nafsihi muqtasidun wa sabiqun bil khairat that each one of them has three maqam. And so he's going to go first from the top down and then he goes back up. So he, he calls it tadalli wa taraqi, descending and ascending. So he begins with the ninth, which is the hardest one, which is Al-Akhdu Bil-Jaddi Fiddin. Being as serious as you can about the religion. And he begins with the uh, opening of uh, talking. We talked about this, that the life is a journey. And the journey, the, the, the years are like marahil. So the marhala is, is a, it's, it's a period of, uh, it's a distance. And, and he says that the years are like the marahil, and then the months are like the farasikh. This is another farasikh, is the farsang in Persian. How, how far is it in Persian? It's three miles. Yeah, it's three miles. Because a meal, a meal is either 3,000 feet, 1,500 feet, 2,000 feet. There's khilafat about how long a meal is. But the masafa of traveling is, it's about 48 miles. There's again some khilaf about that, but generally it's about 48. And actually, in the Reliance of the Traveler, it's very accurate in those, uh, he did a lot of research in that area. So if you're interested in the traditional weights and measures, there's a good book that was published in Malaysia on the weights and measures uh, which were very important, what a dinar is, what a dirham is, what a danik is. All these are exact measurements. The, the sa'a and the mud, there's some khilaf about these, but uh, I, I don't think anybody can, can uh, top the Maliki Madhab in the sa'a and the mud because Imam Maliki used uh, the, 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 the actual measuring cups that the Prophet used to measure out the sa'a and the mud. And he proved that when he had a debate with one of the Hanafi scholars. He had somebody bring one of the sa'a and he said, where'd you get it? He said, I got it from my father. He said, where'd he get it from? He got it from the Prophet End of argument. You know, so, um, but there, there are differences of opinions and they're all, um, they're all valid in their differences. So. And, and, then he, and then he says that the, the days are like miles and the breaths are like steps. And your, your obedience to Allah is the bida'ah. That's like what you're carrying um, to sell when you get to the marketplace. The marketplace being Yom Al-Qiyamah. 
So you, your bid'ah is your actions, and you bring them on Yom Qiyamah, and then if they're worthy of buying, the, the, what you get is the reward for your actions. If they're not, then you come either um, with bad actions, which is a bad, it's like a bad bid'ah, nobody wants it, uh, it's thrown into the rubbish. Or you actually owe, you come owing money. So whatever good actions you have, it's taken and given to others because of your uh, cursing them or for other reasons. And then he says that the shahawat, your appetites are like quta'at-turuq. They're like brigands on your road of life. So they, they waste your time, they waste your energy, and, uh, and, and life dissipates because um, each breath is a step towards our death. And, and this is capital that you can't, you know, what you have is, uh, you know, all, all merchants understand that you have capital and you have uh, a profit. The capital, like a venture capitalist, will invest even at a loss initially because down the road he, he's hoping that, that that investment will lead to profits. And this is why so much in the Quran uh, is using the metaphor of uh, merchandise, of tijara with Allah. Um, there, there's two main metaphors in the Quran uh, concerning this, the, the tijara and the zira'a. Tijara is commerce, zira'a is agriculture. And if you think about human life, this is pretty much the foundation of, uh, of what we, our needs. They're, they're covered by merchants and they're covered by farmers. Uh, the merchants supply what we need in terms of our our clothes and our houses and all these other things. And then the, the zura'ah, the farmers, supply what we need for our bodies and food. So the zura'ah is planting seeds and then the harvest. So the planting is your investment and then the harvest is your profit. But you can always lose. It could be a bad seed. Uh, the soil could be bad. Uh, you could get torrential rains. Uh, you could get a, a dry year where there's no water. And so this is the nature of, of the world. The same is true for the tujar. Uh, they can go to the souk and their merchandise doesn't move. Um, there was a car called the Nova when I was younger, and they tried to sell it in Mexico, and nobody bought it, because Nova in Mexico means it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> right? So Nova, nobody wanted a Nova, you know, not, it doesn't go. So even the name can affect the merchandise, right? And people in advertising know this, that you can, you can take an, a, a name, and, and, uh, and it can change everything. Even, even with famous people, you know, if, if you have names like Finkelstein, they tend to change it to some other name. Or Zimmerman becomes Dylan. Or because even names are a type of, uh, they have an effect on people. Name, using names that are easy or have two syllables, uh, they, they work better. And that's why a lot of famous people have two-syllable names, if you'll notice. Every once in a while you get the Schwarzenegger or something like that, and people learn how to say those names. But generally, uh, marketing... Is, is a lot of it is just subterfuge and chicanery and uh, leisure domain and all those other types of things. But the, uh, in, in, on the Yom Qiyamah, you can't do that. There's no marketing. You can't try to market your good. It's either a, 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 a valuable good or it's not. And there's no fooling that judge 
on the Yom Qiyamah. And so th- this is the metaphor that he uses. Um, and so he talks about um, just the, the importance of seriousness in the deen. And one of the things Imam Shatabi says in his Muafaqat, and Imam Shatabi, uh, rahimahullah, was one of the great uh, Usuri scholars of our tradition. He wrote a famous book called the Muafaqat in the Maqasid school of Usul al-Fiqh, which is the school of the ends and, and really the objectives of the religion. What are the objectives of the religion? And this school is a school that um, emerges out of Imam Juwaini and then Ghazali really begin this school. Um, you can see, obviously, the Prophet was working with this early, but they were the ones that really identified it. Um, Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya argues that probably tahqiq al-manat actually is a, is a technical term that comes from Imam al-Ghazali. So Ghazali introduced certain ways of, of, of legal reasoning and understanding the processes that hadn't been introduced before. And that's why he's so important, first and foremost, as an Usuli scholar. He's, he's known for tasawwuf in, in, in the common community. But amongst scholars of, of Islam, he's actually more known for his usul al-fiqh, uh, which is really interesting to me, that, um, that he's, he's not really thought of as a great alim amongst common people. They think of him as a Sufi, but he's actually one of the most brilliant legal minds that the world has ever seen. And his book, Al-Mustasva, anybody that reads that will know the level that he was working on. Um, and among many other things that he did, he, he really put logic at the center of Islamic training, which it had not been before. And that's something that certain people that have animosity towards him fault him for. Uh, but he, he took it out of the epistemology of philosophy and put it into uh, a type of grammar of thinking. So he understood it as nahu al-fikr. It's just the grammar of thinking. And, um, and he felt that it was very important for, for, uh, for people that had to do legal reasoning to know that. So Imam al-Shatabi, in his muwafaqat, he said about uh, the Salaf al-Salih, that qahara al-Salaf al-Salihu anfusuhum tahta mashaqqata ta'abbudi wa sawu bayna al-wajibi wa al-mundubi wa al-mandubi fi tarab al-fi'li wa bayna al-muharrami wa al-makruhi fi tarab al-tarki wa addu ma lam yu'ammir anfasuhum battala. So what they did was they really saw, they put themselves under the difficulties of devotion. So they, they, they were profoundly devotional people, and they did a lot of devotion. Um, somebody was mentioning, asked me about the hadith about the Prophet ﷺ saying that he actually considered um, you know, getting firewood and then burning the houses down of people that didn't go to the, the, the jama'ah prayer of Isha and Fajr, right, are, are the two prayers that the munafiqun t- tended not to, to go to. The, one of the things about that is First of all, there's a khilaf about the jama'ah prayer. Like in the Hanbali madhab, if you can hear the adhan and you have no excuse, then your prayers, it's, it's like it's invalid next to a masjid. 
But the other madhabs, it's, it's encouraged to go. Um, obviously, the jama'ah, to establish jama'ah is a very strong sunnah mu'akidah. Um, and, and so people are encouraged to go. But if somebody prays in their house, uh, if a woman, there, it's, it's, there's, no, uh, there's no obligation or, or recommendation for her to go to the masjid. If she chooses to, then she can. And it's, it's, it's not makru for her. To say that it's makru to go to the masjid would, the Prophet said, don't prevent the women. It's mubah for the woman to go to the masjid. And in some situations, it could be strongly recommended when you, when you have cultures where they don't have learning opportunities in their homes. Today, there, you know, it's, there's a lot of opportunities uh, to learn. Um, but uh, in some places, there's not. I actually like the Chinese method where they just, the women have their own masjids and the men have their own masjids. I, you know, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think in the larger Turkish masjids, the women's places are very nice. They're up and they're, they give them a lot of room. In some of these other masjids, they're very cramped and narrow. If you go to North Africa, the women's areas are very problematic also. So in many cultures, the women just didn't go to the masjids. Um, in, in the West, we have to really think about how we build our masjids. Um, it's really important to take into consideration that many of the women are active. They're called in the Hanafi fiqh, they call them barza, which is a woman who's actively engaged in the world. She has a completely different set of ahkam than women that are in the home. And so it's important to recognize that there is a difference between, for instance, you know, even though it's not, uh, you know, the, the, a woman's forearm is considered part of her aura, in the books of fiqh they say if she works, like harvesting or if she's a physician, you know, that they can actually raise their, uh, their sleeves in their work. Um, we know that the Sahaba saw the saq and the sa'id of the Sahabiyat and, and even the wives of the Prophet when they were uh, nursing the sick, uh, the wounded in the battles. So these are, you know, the, Islam is very uh, practical. It's, it's not a religion that makes things difficult for people and, and when people get too obsessive about these things, uh, you create really unhealthy environments in, in cultures um, when, when you have this kind of kipped uh, there in the culture. You can, you can create a lot of mental illness uh, in these areas. It's like the man, you know, the sheikh who was walking with his um, student, and there was a woman that needed to cross the river, and she was terrified and couldn't. And so the sheikh picked her up, carried her across the river, and uh, put her down, and then they moved along. And you know, about an hour later, he's looking at the student. The student's really troubled. <laughs> you know, and, and he said, what's, what's wrong? And he said, Astaghfirullah, Sidi, I just, I'm having bad thoughts about you. He said, why? <laughs> he said, you carried that Ajnabiya woman across that river. He said, well, I put her down at the riverside. You're still carrying her with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's, that's a reality. Like, people obsess too much about these things and then they become unwell. Um, but the Salaf were very strict about things. They, they considered no difference between wajib and mandub. One of the things about the Salaf is if they took on a practice 
they never left it, which is why the Prophet ﷺ recommended to the Sahabi to fast only three days a month. He said, I can do more than that. He said, then fast Mondays and Thursdays. He said, I can do more than that. He said, then fast every other day, the fast of Dawood, but don't exceed it. He, that same Sahabi said towards the end of his life, I, I wish I would have listened to his first suggestion because it became difficult for him. But the point is, is that he took a, a mandub and he kept the practice up. He didn't, he didn't abandon the practice. If they took on a practice, they kept it up. That's why it's very important. Whatever you do, do a little bit and be continuous in it. And if you want to add more, add more. But don't If you try to take this religion on all at once, it will overwhelm you. So you take what you can. And then you do that little bit consistently. It's better to pray two rakats uh, you know, every night than to get up every once in a while and pray uh, 10 or 13 or however many uh, you pray, 8 at Tahajjud. But to be consistent. And then if you want to add on, you add on. But do it slowly. Uh, pace yourself. And so this is what he's saying. And he doesn't mean they, they conflated wajib and mandub. It's just that they, as practices, if the Prophet recommended something, they did it. And this was the early community. Now, part of the reason for that and the reason that he was so uh, strict about these things, in the hadith in which he said, you know, Antum fi zaman man taraka minkum ushra ma umira bihi halak wa sayati an ummati zaman man amila bi ushri ma umira bihi naja. You're in a time that if you act according to one tenth, if you leave off one tenth, of what I've given you, you'll perish. But there's coming a time for my ummah, if you just do one-tenth, there'll be salvation for them. Abu Hamid says about this hadith, it's like, whew. He said, if, that, if we didn't have that saying from the Prophet ﷺ, we would have yes, because of what we see in our community and how far we are from that early period. Now, the commentators found that hadith to be mushkil because they said it couldn't be in the fara'il because you can't leave one, you can't do, um, you know, one prayer every other day, right? So uh, they were trying to understand. Some of them said it's in Amr bin Ma'ruf and Nahi an Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya actually thinks it relates to tahqiq al-manab that there are certain things that will not be applicable in the time that you're living in, in the later periods, from, from the sharia. And, and this is important for the, the Usuli scholars in particular to be aware of. And so they, they considered anybody that didn't fill their time with spiritual activities and a'mal khair, they considered them battal, just like uh, spiritually unemployed. You know, like just a somebody wasting his time. Battal. Imam Malik was asked about music, and he said, "La The people that do that are irreligious people in our community. So that's important to, to know. He's in Medina during the time of the Tabi'in. He's from the Tabi'in or Tabi'i Tabi'in, probably from the Tabi'i Tabi'in. But most of his teachers were tabi'een. So they were people that took directly from the Sahab. He's in Al-Qurun Al-Mufaddara. 
So when he says in Medina, the people that listened to music or engaged in music were fusak. If you took those people and brought them here today, they would be our ulama. <laughs> they would be our ulama. They would be like big ulama, and people would be amazed at how much they knew. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. I, I really don't believe I'm exaggerating. I mean, Ziryab, the great musician who was a student of uh, Ishaq al-Mawsadi's, he was a polymath. He knew so many different things. I mean, music was just one thing. Al-Farabi, the great logician and philosopher, was a master musician. <laughs> you know, the story of Al-Farabi in, in the, when he was in, uh, I think it was Halab, you know, in the Sultan, he was there with the ulama, and he, he was dressed in Anatolian because he'd learned mantak from the Christians. And he was dressed in an Anatolian outfit. And uh, he understood the dialect of one of the servants, and, and he was having a hard time communicating, and so he said that he could translate for him. And uh, the Amir said, He said, he said, I know at least 70 languages. And he said, Do you know something about Arabic? And he said, Naam. And so he started talking with the grammarians. They all said, Mashallah. You know, and then he knew mantaq. And he said, he said, Oud. Do you know how to play the Oud? He said, Hati, you know, bring an Oud. Because <laughs> he wrote a book called Musiq al Kabir. I actually have it. It's the big music book. It's literally this thick. It's called the big music book. <laughs> the great famous oud player Hamza Alauddin gave it to me. Uh, Allah yarhamhu. And um, Al Farabi, he told me the story. Al Farabi played a scale and put everybody to, made them all laugh. And then he played a scale and made them all cry. And then he played a scale and he got them all sleepy. Because he studied the effect of the maqam on the. This is why music is very dangerous in that way, because in the wrong hands, it, it can really affect people's souls. It can agitate people. That's why so many people, when they go to these concerts, they actually get very agitated and violent. A lot of them have to dance like that, because the music does that to their bodies. And so the ulama were always very wary of music because of its power. And that's why so many of the ulama inclined towards its avoidance in cultures, because it is very... Um, powerful. So, Ali, وَعَلَى هَذَا نَبْهَ حَدِيثُ النَّدَامِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَنْدِمُ الْمُحْسِنُ أَلَّا يَكُونَ إِزْدَادٌ وَيَنْدِمُ الْمُسِيءُ أَلَّا يَكُونَ نَزَعٌ. So the the one who does good will wish he did more on Yom Al-Qiyamah, and the one that does evil will wish he hadn't done that evil. Um, so this is uh, one of the problems uh, that happens uh, to people. And uh, Abu Hamad said, وَكُلُّ نَفْسٍ مِنْ أَنْفَاسِكَ خَاتِمَةً إِذْ يُمْكِنْ أَنْ يُكُونَ الْمَوْتُ مُتَّصِرًا بِهِ Abu Hamad said, every breath that you take could be your last because you will have a last breath that is connected with your death. And so this is obviously, it's something that the, the, the qawm calls مُرَاقَبَةُ uh, الْأَنْفَاسِ like being vigilant of the anfas. This is something even in other traditions they do that where they actually do breath med meditation just about breasts. And the breasts are like grains of sand in that sand uh, 
uh, clock. That as, you, as you're breathing, they're diminishing. They're not coming back. And so uh, this was one of the things that people used to meditate on. <laughs> So there's there's no mamin nafas in tubdihi. There's no nafs that comes out of you except that it's it's a, a portion of a certain amount of nafs that you've been given to 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 finish. You know, so lahu qadrun fiq. But it also has something that is necessitated in that breath. In other words, what are you doing at the time? And one of the things that the Qawm asked was to think in whatever you're doing, if this was the last thing I, uh, I'm going to ever do, is this really what I'd want to be doing? That was, that was their approach. Remember that this is the highest maqam, so don't get like freaked out. Sorry. He's starting at the top. All right, so this is really the arifun. You know, this is, he's starting at the top. This is not for everybody. All three categories are chosen ones. They're all good. It's himma, it's where you want to put yourself. This, this is, so he's starting at the highest, obviously. But Allah started at the lowest when he said, In order to get yes out of your heart, he put that first. So that you didn't ha- lose hope. Because he said we chose them to give them our book. He's in the middle. And so the sabiq bil khayrat is with the permission of God because he's the one that can get deluded by his good deeds. So the first one, he, he brings him first. Sorry about that. I'll turn that off. So he brings him first because, uh, you know, I really want to have that man. If I was the caliph, I would have him shot, the one that invented that ringtone. So, yeah. You know, because they get into your brain and then you want that piece of brain back that they stole from you. You know, if Conan Doyle was right, the mind is like an attic. There's only so much room up there, so beware of what you store. Uh, for people that like Sherlock Holmes. Because <laughs> he didn't know the sun you know, went. He didn't know about this heliocentric theory. And Watson says to him, how could you not know that? He said, how does it benefit me to know that? Like, that doesn't in any way help me in my work. So I have no interest in learning something that's of no practical benefit to me. You know, it's just, and then he says, the mind is like an attic. You know, I'm only going to store things I need up there. 
Nobody talks about an earth turn. Oh, what a lovely earth turn. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Yeah, they say, what a beautiful sunset, you know. Why don't you say earth turn, because that's right, really what's happening. You know, I saw the most striking earth turn this morning. <laughs> uh, the fool on the hill sees the sun going down, and the eyes in his head see the earth spinning round. Because we're a schizophrenic people now. We've got all this information that goes against our fitrah. And, and we learn these things and we don't really, we don't believe them by fitrah. You know, whether they're true or not. I mean, I don't, I'm, I, I'm fine with the heliocentric theory. But, but by fitrah, we still really do experience the sun moving. You know, and that's how everybody experiences it. So you can learn something theoretically, but you still don't think about it theoretically. You think about it experientially. And that's why people see the moon, the moon and the sun. They're moving. They don't think of themselves as turning around them. So he says, uh, so Ibn Atayilah says, you know, don't waste your time. All these changes that are happening around you, that really em- the empty changes that are happening around you. All this, the aghyar is all the otherness out there. You know? But because that will cut you off from being in a state of vigilance about God and what he is challenging you to be present in any given situation uh, because every situation has its hukum. And remember, this is the highest maqam. I mean, these are really the saints. So, the, you know, this idea of you know, delaying actions that you should be doing when you have leisure time, is from a type of ru'unat al-nufus uh, is, is the, 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 the turbidities of your soul. It's the things that are preventing your soul from being pure. So it's the impurities of the soul. متى يستريح الفقير قارئ إذا لم يرى غير الوقت الذي هو فيه So he said that tasawwuf is really to use to do in whatever time you have the most appropriate thing to do in that time And Sahal al-Tusturi one of the early uh, Sufis was asked when does the faqir and the faqir was the person who was on a spiritual path a serious spiritual path when does the faqir have repose he said, when he's out of time. Right? And that's why the Moroccan proverb, you know, when somebody says, I'm really busy, he said, you know, I'm really tired or I'm really busy. You know, repose is in the grave. You know, dunya is, is you know, when you have free time, keep, you know, when you finish one thing, keep going to the next thing. That, 
that this is ked and jed. This is the nature of the world, you know, that you, you wear yourself out. Al Mutanabi, the great Arab poet, said, Ida kanatan nufusu kibara ta'ibati muradiha al ajsamu. That when people have high himma in their lives, their bodies get worn out trying to achieve those aspirations. And so, on the other hand, your body is a, uh, is a beast in that way, and you have to serve it as well. So, you don't, if you wear out the body, um, in fact, you know, I read a Chinese. Uh, Taoist text that was really interesting years ago. And one of the things that it said that it was a moral obligation to try to live beyond 50 because you cannot really start understanding life until you get into the 50s. And so you were actually, by wasting all that energy and wearing yourselves out before that time, that, that you weren't being fair to your soul. And that was his argument. I thought, and, and the, you know, Taoists believed that life extension you know, is possible through the, their practices and things. We obviously believe in ajal, but still, we, we believe that you're supposed to take care of yourself. Uh, and we know now about biological time and chronological time. They're not the same. We know that the medicine is being aware of that, that people are actually older. They can be older biologically than they are chronologically, and they can be younger biologically than they are chronologically, based on free radicals and the breakdown of... Uh, your, your, you know, the 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 telomere uh, wearing down, getting to the telomere faster than than normal. So uh, he, you know, he's he's definitely uh, talking about this high maqam. Uh, he said his Sheikh al Minturi said uh, that his teacher uh, al Ustad al Maqari used to say al Hakika. عملوا قوما على السوابق وعملوا قوما على اللواحق والصوفي من لا ماضي له ولا مستقبل فإن كنت زجاجيا فبخن بخن The beautiful statement. He says, there's people that work, that what they're doing is based on the past, and then there's people that what they're doing is based on the future, and then there's other people that, but he said the Sufi, he has no past and no future, He's only got the present. And if you're transparent, bachin bachin, you know, you're lucky. You know, if there's, if, 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 you know, if you don't have anything to hide, then you're a lucky person. Because there's people that are trying to make up for a bad past, right? And there are other people that have all these aspirations about the future. But for this, and that's why they say, Sufi ibn waqtihi. The Sufi is the son of the moment. And what's interesting about uh, uh, Sidi Muhammad al-Mawaq is that he is, he's a usuli, um, but he's part of a civilization, the Andalusian civilization, that was profoundly influenced by, um, by Spirituality permeated their entire understanding. So no matter what uh, science they were studying or looking into, spirituality. And, and, I, and it's very important for me that you understand that when he's talking about, like when he says Sufi, he's not talking about the modern concept of Sufi that people think about. Um, and this is a great tragedy in our community because 
the early people of the Sawuf were actually, they were the most rigorous scholars. They were actually the people that implemented more than anybody else the religion. They weren't, they weren't Batalun and they weren't people that sat around um, uh, you know, singing songs and then having couscous and things like that. That was not what they were doing, really. I mean, these are people that often ate every other day and I mean, at Kasur al-Shahwatayn, they were breaking their appetites. They had a khalwa here that was a thousand days. They did a khalwa for a thousand days. Could you imagine that? Three years, basically. That was their khalwa. Uh, Imam al-Jazuli, one of the great Usuli scholars, he's a, a, a hafiz in the madhab of Imam Malik. He knew the madhab. Um, he has an opinion in the madhab. He, his... Uh, uh, his, he has a commentary on Maliki textbooks. He went into a khalwa for several years. They said when he came out, people in Fez, upon seeing him, made toba. And he was in, and I've been in his khalwa, where he was in khalwa in Fez, and they said that he was hoarding gold up there, right? The, you know, rumors spread, like, why isn't that guy coming out of the house? <laughs> And they said he, he was hoarding gold. So some of the Fezzis decided they're going to go up there and like, <laughs> so they went up. He had written moat on every single portion of the room. You could not see. He had literally written moat on every single portion of the room. So the whole room was covered with the word moat. <laughs> now people can say that's extreme. Well, that's why this is the extreme maqam. You know, this is... This is not for everybody, and, and don't, people don't think you can do this stuff, because people go mad, quite literally. And some of these people, in fact, uh, Imam al-Shibli was locked up. Imam al-Junaid had to lock him up, because he had, and we know, psychoses, there are spiritual psychotic breaks that happen, that people can literally become very unwell, doing a lot of dhikr and things like this. Um, it happens. So it's always better just be moderate in your practice. And the Prophet loved moderation. But there will be people that take this, uh, this road. And uh, traditionally, they had guides on it. So uh, Tajruddin says, حقوق الأوقات لا يمكن قضاؤها إذ ما من وقت يرد إلا ورله في عليك حق جديد وأمر أكيد فكيف تقضي فيه حق غيره وأنت لم تقضي حق الله فيه so he says that the reality of time is that you can never fulfill the rights of the time because there's no time except that some, there's a right of Allah that's coming in that time and you still haven't fulfilled the one pr prior to that time. And so this is the nature. Hence, astaghfirullah fi'ini, astaghfirullah, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he did istighfar every day, at least 70 times in a riwayah, miyata marra, a hundred times a day, astaghfirullah. When he finished the prayer, what was the first thing he said? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Three times, Allahumma anta salam, you know, sallam, sallam. Like I know, and the Prophet has the perfect prayer, but he's, what he's teaching us is, it, we could always be better. We could always be better. So right when you finish the prayer, the first thing is an acknowledgement of the naqs, the deficiency of your prayer, astaghfirullah. 
قال عياض كان مالك لا يراه احد من اهلي الا ولا من اصدقائه الا متعمما لابسا ثيابه لا يضحك ولا يتكلم فيما لا يعنيه يقول لا يكون العالم عالما حتى يكون كذلك وحتى يحتاط لنفسه بما لو تركه لم يكون عليه فيه اثم so in the tartib al madarak of qadiyat he said that malik was never seen by his family or friends without his turban on without dressing in his clothes he he did not laugh meaning qahqaha you know it's a sunnah to smile but he never laughed out loud and the prophet didn't laugh out loud um, but he never laughed and he never spoke about what does not concern him i've met a few people that do this it's very rare um, the marabt al-hajj never speaks about what doesn't concern him sheikh abdul bay i've never heard him speak about what doesn't concern him i've never heard him say he's totally uninterested in in uh in something that has no practical benefit uh for him or and and you can't talk about anybody in his company he won't let you he'll just stop it said kufa an hada he won't, he doesn't allow any ghiba and it, that's very rare uh to have that but min husni islam al mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi that hadith which abu daud said is one of the four hadiths abu daud said that he learned half a million hadith when when takhaba min 500000 hadith he said when takhabtu minha ma damantuhu fi kitabi yani as-sunan what i put into my book the sunan and he said yakfi al-mar'a fi dinihi arba'atu ahadith it's enough for any person in their religion to have only four hadith and that was one of them so it's a really important hadith leaving what doesn't concern you minding your own business so uh So then he says and then he said that he never spoke about what uh, was of no concern Imam Shafi'i once asked him how old he was and he said aqbal ala sha'nik mind your own business <laughs> and that's what he said to him he was a lot younger than him it, it w- wouldn't have been appropriate anyway but he just let him know and there's a musalsal from Imam Shafi'i uh, if anybody asks you how old you are you say aqbal ala sha'nik So every alim after that would say that if somebody asked him how old are you he'd say bil musalsal an shafi'i an malik aqbal ala sha'nik you know mind your own business Imam Malik said idha idha abahta bi umrika imma qalu oh dhanantuka akbar min dhalika oh dhanantu anta asghar min dhalika he said falan tuflih they either say oh i thought you were older than that or oh i thought you were younger than that he said you're not going to do well in that question so rawa ibn al-qasim anhu qala kana ziyad yad'u yadahu ala katafi wa yaqul alayka bil jadd fa in kana ma yaqulu ashabuka ha'ulai min ar-rukhs haqqan lam yadurraka wa in kana al-amru ala ghayri dhalika kunta qad akhadta bil jadd so ibn al-qasim who ibn wahban said you know Ibn al-Qasim was one of the great uh, scholars and he was a student of Malik and the madhhab of Malik is really Ibn al-Qasim's opinion more than any other. 
because he was the one that was with him the longest and for the last period of his life. So he said, he used to put his hand on his shoulder, uh, Ziyad would put his hand on his shoulder and say, be serious in this religion. And if what your companions over there, those say about these rochas are true, it's not going to harm you as long as you uh, hold to what's more difficult. You know, don't follow the rochas. Even though they're valid, don't follow them. Again, remember, this is the maqam. This is, he's going the highest. Qari ibn Rushdin, hadda ziyadun malikan ala an ya'khuda li nafsihi fi khasatihi bi ashadda ma qida fi rishtihati ahkam al-deen. Ziyad told Malik, for yourself, in other words, not what you give other people opinions, but for yourself, take the hardest position. For others, make it easy for them. But for yourself, take the hardest position. فَلِلْمُشْتَهِدَ الَّذِي كَمُّلَتْ لَهُ آلَاتُ الْإِشْتِهَادِ فِي خَاصَّتِهِ أَنْ يَتْرُكَ مَا رَآهُ بِإِشْتِهَادِهِ إِلَى مَا رَآهُ غَيْرُهُ بِإِشْتِهَادِهِ مِمَّا هُوَ أَشَدُّ مِنْهُ So, uh, Ibn Rushd also mentions that about ishtihad in the ahkam of the deen, the mushtahid, and the mushtahid is, there's different degrees of ishtihad. You have mushtahid al-mutlaq, which is an absolute mushtahid. The mushtahid al-mutlaq is somebody who has reached a level of knowledge of the primary sources and the tools to interpret them that he can't take the opinions of others. He has an obligation upon himself to determine what his own position is in ishtihad. Because there are things, if, if, they, if, they, if, if, if they could, they would get you to leave your religion. Those people that, بَعْدَمَ تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنْهُوَ الْحَقِّ right? Even after it's clear to them that it's the truth. What does Allah say to do about these people? that want to repel you from your religion and force you to take... He says, فَاسْفَحُوا فَعْفُوا وَاسْفَحُوا You know? Forgive them, overlook them, right? حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ Until Allah brings His Amr. Some of them say, brings His Amr here is uh, ayatul Sayf. Some of the ulama say that. In other words, be patient until you have enough power and then you can knock them over the head. There's, there's many ulama say that. That once the Muslims establish their power, they have a right um, to, uh, to stop uh, mockery of the prophets. Right? And by the way, this was Christian doctrine as well. So you could not mock the prophets. It was a capital offense in Christendom. So this is not, you know, the modern world obviously has removed apostasy laws. But there were apostasy laws and, and mockery laws in the Muslim land. But the point is, not all the ulama said that. Many of them said that it means until their ajal comes. You know, if they die, Allah will take care of them. Right? Now, Fakhruddin al-Razi says, if we say all of these ayahs are abrogated by ayatul Saif, which is in, uh, uh, in the... We then, Sarakh al-Ashhur al-Huram. Right? Uh, فَقْتُلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ وَخُذُوهُمْ So in, in, in the ayat of Sayf in Tawbah, he says, you know, if once the Huram months end, then اُقْتُلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ وَخُذُوهُمْ Right? وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَرْصَدٍ You know, so, so fight them wherever they are and... and so, so 
they say that verse abrogated all those verses in the Quran. This is the opinion of many scholars. Fakhruddin al-Razi says, if we say that, we're saying that makaram akhlaq nusikhat fi dinina. Then, then there's no, there's no meaning to sabr, there's no meaning to afu, there's no meaning to safah, there's no meaning to any of these things. And that's why, uh, you know, it's important for Muslims to really understand this, especially in the time that we're living in. At least take the position of Ibn Taymiyyah. You know, at least take that position, because that's the aql's position. Um, and these, again, are ahkam sultaniyah. They're not private ahkam. They're, they're rules that relate to governance. So if, if, if the government implements them, that's their prerogative, but they're not our rules to implement. And if, if the government doesn't implement them, there's no Muslim that can take it upon himself to implement those rules, like what happened in France. Um, that's not permissible for Muslims to do that. It's haram to do that. First of all, it will lead to anarchy. Vigilantism leads to anarchy. And then if you say, well, now the khidaf is established, and so they can order these things, that's insane. You know, it's just madness. Because first of all, one of the conditions of the caliph is that they have to be able to defend the Muslim lands. And I'm sorry, these guys are living in a fantasy world. They're literally, they live in fantasy land. One atomic bomb. That's all it will take. And, and zealots always, you know, well, you know, God's going to give us victory. It's not the way it works, people. Allah has sunan. The Prophet ﷺ was not suicidal. When he saw that the odds were not favored uh, for him, then he didn't do it. And that's why the Quran, Al-Ana Khafafallahu Ankum wa Alimana Fikum Ba'fa. Originally it was, it was 20, uh, you know, 20 to 1, right? That's the original parity. Allah said, no, I know that you're weak. So it's 2 to 1. At least don't flee when it's 2 to 1. So Islam is a religion of sunan. It's not, we don't, we don't believe in you know, I, I read a book when I was very young called Ayat al-Rahman fi Jihad al-Afghan. You know, and this book really spread in the Muslim world and it was all about these miracles of the jihad in Afghanistan. But where, where's, look at Afghanistan now, 30 years, where is the Ayat al-Rahman fi Jihad al-Afghan? Where are they? I'd like to see them, these Ayat al-Rahman. And look at Afghanistan now, you know, so Muslims have to be serious about this stuff and think deeply about it. It's, there are big problems in the community. Um, Abu Hamad says, That avoiding the positions of khilaf is important in muqallid, in both the mufti and the one imitating them. Okay. 
So if somebody uh, is a muqallid and he gives a fatwa that is different from what his imam has said, then going, getting out of the khilaf, khilaf and going to the ijma' is, is from this wara, from this scrupulousness. So you should avoid, uh, you know, in, in giving fatwas, you should always try to give what is the, the, the dominant opinion or the ijma' and not go against. وَقَالَ مُحِذِينَ النَّوْوِي أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ مُتَّفِقُونَ عَلَى الْحَثِّ عَلَى الْخُرُوجِ مِنَ الْخِلَافِ إِذَا لَمْ يَلْزَمْ مِنْهُ إِخْلَارٌ بِسُنَّةِ Imam Nawawi said that the people of knowledge are in agreement that one should avoid, uh, it should attempt to get out of any khilaf as long as it doesn't lead to some blemish in following the sunnah. And that's called the mura'atul khilaf in usul, which is, uh, is if, if the imam, for instance, if Imam Shafi'i says you should do the basmala, and, and, and he argues that it's part of the fatiha, then because normally a Maliki would follow that, mura'atan al-khilaf, but because he's leaving a sunnah in his madhab, then he doesn't do it. So that's what he means. So you should usually follow the khilaf, but if it's going to affect a sunnah in your madhab or do, doing something makruh, because kurihat al-basmala, uh, the, the basmala is makruh in the Maliki madhab. So you don't do something to get out of khilaf if it means doing something makruh or leaving a sunnah in your own madhab. If it doesn't, then it's good. So, uh, for instance, um, you know, with, with women who are menstruating and recitation of the Qur'an, there's a khilaf about that. The, the malikis, though, permit it. And... It's not really تتبع, to follow the Maliki position in that because the, the Ruchas are to get out of Ibadah. <laughs> so you're trying to get into Ibadah. And so if a woman says, I'm going to take that position, then uh, that's, that's her prerogative as, as a woman. Because she's not doing it to avoid ibadah or to make something easier. She's doing it because she wants to do more ibadah. And if she finds an imam that facilitates that for her and it's a valid position agreed upon, then uh, that's, that's an example. Or she can follow her madhab that says that she shouldn't read the Quran when she's menstruating. Uh, but for some women, that's 10 days out of the month, which is um, a third of her lifetime. Right? It's a, it's a lot of time. And some women really need to recite the Quran just for their own well-being. Um, so, uh, anyway. Those, those are khilaf issues. We respect all the imams about this. Qara Abu Musa'ab, كَانَ مَالِكٌ يُطِيرَ السُّجُودُ وَالرُّكُوعُ وَإِذَا وَقَفَ فِي الصَّرَاكَ أَنَّهُ خَشْبَةٌ يَابِسَةٌ لَا يَتَحَرَّكُ مِنْهُ شَيْءٌ فَلَمَّا أَصَابُهُ مَا أَصَابُهُ قِيلَ لَهُ لَوْ خَفَفْتَ مِنْ هَذَا قَلِيلًا قَالَ لَا يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا لِلَّهِ إِلَّا حَسَّنًا قَالَ تَعَالَ لِيَبْلُوكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا إِمَامْ مَالِكْ واو إِمَامْ مَالِكْ رضي الله عنه that he used to do a long sujood and a long ruku' in his prayer and if he stood he was like a dry piece of wood like he was just so straight Nothing moved from him. And in the Maliki Madhab, to move around is Qidlat al-Khushu'ah. Khushu is stillness. 
And this is why what's called izhar al-khushu'a, you know, the Malikis consider to, uh, you know, they, they consider like to be like that, izhar al-khushu'a, that's makru. To like show, you're actually supposed to look relaxed, but the khushu'a is in your, that you don't move. That's the khushu'a. It's actually not doing that. Like a lot of people do that. Do that. That's actually makru in the medhab. I mean, I'm not making fun of anybody, you know. But, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That, that's makru to do that. To, to show, in the Maliki Madhab, I don't know what the... So, so it, he said, anybody that does something for the sake of Allah, he should do it really well. Allah says, to test you to see which of you is ahsanu amala. Undar hadha alladhi kana alihi malikum min al-jaddi fiddeen. وما أجمع عليه العلماء من اتقاء مواضع الخلاف ومراعاة الأنفاس مع الله وإثار الأذقل على النفس والأفضل الذي لو فجأه الموت وهو عليه ما وجد أفضل منه. So he said, look at how these people were. Malik, look how serious he was in his religion and what the ulama agreed upon avoiding these uh, difficult, these uh, differences of opinion and guarding the breast with God and and preferring difficult things on the self and and recognizing that the best state to be in is that if death came to you, you wouldn't want to be in any other state. So he's saying now, as for those who say that less than this maqam is lahu and uh, it's bid'ah, or they say what's what's after the haq except dalal, he said, I'm going to say, right? uh, So he's saying, as to make some general blanket statement about that this is the only way, he said it's, that's wrong. The nisbah is idhafiyyah. Uh, and he said, especially for somebody who's not in this maqam, to say that it becomes a hujjah against him uh, if that's not his maqam. And then he says uh, that the real sounds madhab Right, Look at what the ulama have said in the ayah that I opened this book with, that there's three groups. So Ibn Abdu'l-Bar, one of the great scholars of Andalusia, said, the ulama of Allah and of the ahkam of Allah, that they make things easy for people, make them expansive for people as long as they don't fear fear sinfulness. And, and this is from the tamheed. Ruwaym, one of the great Maliki scholars, he said, uh, you know, من حكم الحاكم, that the, the, a judge should make things easy for his brothers, the mufti, in ahkam, and, but he should be hard on, on, on himself. 
Because making things easy is, is this is ittiba' al-ilm, and making things hard on the self is the wara', it's scrupulousness. A man should never force his, the, the difficult positions on his family. And then he says, uh, um, Imam uh, Al-Bilali says that from the fruits of, of, of Mahabba is that he looks at other than the atheists with the eye of mercy. Right? And فَمَنْ فَقَدَ هَذِي الْعَلَمَاتِ كَذَبَ فِي دَعْوَ الْمَحَبَّةِ And if, if somebody loses these signs, he's a liar in love. Because the Prophet ﷺ loved people. And, and also, you know, I, I, I would uh, put a... Because there's a hadith the Prophet ﷺ said, لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى تَرَاحَمُوا You know, you, you, won't, you, won't have, uh, you won't truly believe until you have mercy with one another. Uh, and, and, and one of the Sahaba said, uh, All of us are merciful, O Messenger of Allah. He said, It's not the mercy that you have to your brother. It's universal mercy. That's in the Musnad. So, the Prophet was a rahmah for everybody. He even looked at, at disbelievers with rahmah. And so that, that's important to remember. And then he goes into uh, the masarat of istilqa, which is, a, is an interesting, um, because of a hadith. And then he mentions uh, about uh, the dancing, um, the people of uh, Habasha. And, uh, he has a very nice story here that I wanted to share with you. Um, he says, uh, he talks about like uh, that Ibn Rushdin said, that you can't use a, a vision that you see in a dream. Ru'yatu is like ru'yat al-ayn with a ta. When it, when it has arif maqsura, it's a, it's a vision, Right? And so you can't use a vision to, to have a hukum shara'i, to have a legal ruling. But Imam Shatibi permitted certain things. So Imam Shatibi relates a story that a group went to Umar ibn al-Khattab. قال فإنه بلغني أنك إذا صليت تغنيت قال نعم يا أمير المؤمنين قال أتتمجن في عبادتك قال لا يا أمير المؤمنين ولكنها عظة أعيذ بها نفسي قال عمر فقلها وإن كان كلاما حسنا قدته معك 
وإن كان قبيحا نهيتك عنه فأنشد أبيات منها نفس لا كنت ولا كان الهوى راقب المولى وخافي وارحبي فقال عمر نفس لا كنت ولا كان الهوى راقب المولى وخافي وارحبي ثم قال له عمر على هذا فليغني من غنى So he said that he, he heard an imam that used to sing after he prayed. They came to Omar complaining about this imam. This guy prays and then he starts singing. So he said, bring him to me. And then and he comes and he says, I heard something really bothered me about you. I heard every time you pray, you sing. He said, well, first he said, no, 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 tell me what it is and I'll help you with preventing me. He said, and he said, you, you, you pray and then you sing. He said, Indeed, I do that. And he said, are you being shameless in your worship? And then he said, no, it's just, I'd like to remind myself. It's like a wow. It's a So Omar said, let's hear it. If it's good, I'll say it with you. And if it's not, I'm going to tell you not to do it. So he sang some, some lines. And from them, in Shad, this is in Shad. And he said, oh, soul, you, you didn't exist nor did my hawa exist. So beware of your Lord and fear him and be in awe. You know, it's like, like you're here now, but there was a point when you weren't here, so have some awareness of the one that brought you here. So when Omar heard that, he said, he said the same thing, and then he said, those who wish to sing, let him sing things like this. Right? So he says, Shatabi says, تَأَمْرُ قَوْرُهُ بَلَغْنِ عَنْكَ أَمْرٌ سَأَنِي مَعَ قَوْدِهِ أَتَتَمَجِّنُ فِي عِبَادَتِكَ So look at Omar saying, I've heard something about you that's bothered me, and are you being shameless in your worship? فَهِيَ مِنْ أَشَدْ مَا يَكُنْ فِي الْإِنْكَارِ This is like the worst kind of inkar that you can make on somebody, what Omar said to him. حَتَّى عَلَّمُهُ أَنَّهُ يُرَدِّدُ عَلَى لِسَانِهِ أَبْيَاتَ حِكْمَةٍ فِيهَا عِضَى فَحِينَئِذٍ أَقَرَّهُ وَسَلَّمْ لَهُ أَحْسَنَ مِنْ هَذَا قَالَ الشَّاطِبِ هَذَا كَانَ فِعْلَ الْقَوْمِ قَالُوا هُمْ مَعَ ذَلِكَ لَمْ يَقْتَصِرُوا فِي التَّنْشِيطِ لِلنَّفُوسِ وَلَا الْوَعْضِ عَلَى مُجَرِّدِ الشِّعْرِ بَلْ وَعَضُوا أَنفُسُهُمْ بِكُلِّ مَوْعِذَةٍ So this is the nas of Imam Shatabi. He said, look at how he condemns him, but then when he hears that this is something that was wisdom and he was using it to exhort him, himself, and then he agreed with it, and even more than that, he sang it with him. So he says, this is the way the people were. They, 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 they didn't just... It wasn't just poetry that they used to exhort themselves. They exhorted themselves with anything that was beneficial to them. Also the prayer after uh, the salawat. Omar radiallahu They used to close the masjid, Omar. In fact, Al-Sa'ud is the first dynasty in, 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 in our history that has kept the Prophet's mosque open 24 hours. Because they used to always close it after... Um, after Aisha, uh, from the Sunnah of Omar. 
So he would, he would close it. فَتَخَلَّفَ لَيْلَةً مَعَ قَوْمٍ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهِ فَأَتَى إِلَيْهِمْ فَعَرَفَهُمْ فَأَلْقَ دُرَّتُهُ وَجَلَسَ مَعَهُمْ وَجَعَلَ يَقُولُ يَا فُلَانِ اِدْعُوا اللَّهَ لِي يَا فُلَانِ اِدْعُوا اللَّهَ لِي حَتَّى صَارَ الدُّعَاءِ إِلَى عُمَرْ فَكَانُوا يَقُولُونَ عُمَرْ فَضٌ غَرِيضٌ وَلَمْ أَرَى أَحَدًا مِنَ النَّاسِ تِلْكَ السَّعَةَ أَرَقَّ مِنْ عُمَرْ لَا ثَكْلَ وَلَا أَحَدْ So he sat with them. He had his durra because he used to go and uh, try to catch out people that were doing bad things in Medina. And, and there was a group of people that were remembering Allah. And so Omar sat with them. This is after Isha in the masjid. He sat with them and he said, make dua for me, so-and-so, make dua for me, and each one. And then it came to Omar. And they all said, Omar, he's tough. You know, he's a tough one. And he said, but I didn't see anyone that night with a more brittle heart than Omar. Not women wailing over their dead ones or anyone, you know. فَقَالَ رَجُلْ لِأَنَسْ يَوْمٍ يَا أَبَا حَمْزَةَ لَوْ دَعَوْتَ اللَّهَ لَنَا بِدَعْوَاتِ فَقَالَ اللَّهُمَ أَتْسِيْنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةٌ فِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةٌ وَقِنَا عَذَامَ النَّارِ قَارِشَاتُ إِذَا كَانَ الْأَمْرُ عَلَى هَذَا فَلَا إِنْكَارَ فِيهِ So he's talking about dua as a group, you know, because some people reject that and say it's a bid'ah and things like that, right? He's saying, look at these people. Anything that was good, they supported it like that. And this is why he says after this, حَقِيقَةُ الْبِدْعَةِ الْمَدْمُومَةِ حَسَبَ مَا يَأْتِهِ الَّتِي تُمِيتُ السُنَّةَ أَوْ تَكَادُ تُفْضِي إِلَى إِمَاتَتِهَا وَإِنْ فَعْلَهَا بَعْدَ تَسْنِيمَةَ الرَّدِّ صَحَتْ صَلَاتُ بِإِجْمَعٍ وَفَعْلَ جَائِزًا So he's talking about the dua after the prayer. Because the, the reality of a dua is something that kills the sunnah or leads to killing the sunnah. But things that are good, like making dua and things, are not. Um, okay, so can you please mention the three remaining hadith mentioned by Abu Dawood? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he mentioned Inma al-Amaru bin Liyat is one of them, the hadith from Omar radiallahu It's the first hadith uh, that Imam Muslim begins his book with, and Imam Nawawi, he begins his book with it. Inma al-Amaru bin Liyat wa inna marikul imra'imanawa وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجَرَةُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجَرَةُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ مَنْ كَانَتْ هِجَرَةُ إِلَى الدُّنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا وَإِمْرَأَةً يَنْكِحُهَا فَهِجَرَةُ إِلَى مَا هَجَرَ إِلَيْهِ So, you know, everybody has, their actions are by their intentions. And, um, and he said, so everyone has what they intended. Whoever makes hijrah for Allah and his messenger, his hijrah is for Allah and his messenger. And if he makes hijrah for some dunya to attain it or a woman to marry her, his hijrah, his migration, is to what he made that migration to. And then the second one was, um, was this one. من From the good of uh, a man is that, I think it's from Anas, and it's a hadith in... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a hadith that uh, Imam Nawawi also has in the 40 hadith. Um, and then the third one is, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يرضى لأخيه ما يرضى لنفسه على رواية أبي داود um, that he, he uh, is pleased for, for his brother what he's pleased for himself. Uh, the riwayah that's, that Imam Nawawi relates in the 40 hadith is حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه it's uh, Abu Huraira, I think, relates that, and it's the 12th hadith, I'm pretty sure, in the Noe's collection. And then, and then the, uh, the last one is, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنُونَ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنُونَ وَبَيْنُهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٍ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ So the halal is clear and the haram is clear, and between them are doubtful matters, and they're murky, 
and not everybody, not very many people know those matters. Uh, uh, so whoever avoids the shubuhat, the doubtful matters, he has kept the purity uh, of his his good honor and of his religion. He, he's maintained a kind of purity of his dignity and his religion. Uh, like, like, so, and, and if you fall into the shubhat, then you're gonna fall into the haram. Like a ra'i, somebody who's like a shepherd, he yarta hawlul hima, he's grazing his sheep around a sanctuary. Every king has a sanctuary, and the sanctuary of Allah are the things he's prohibited. And isn't there in the breast of the human a lump of flesh? If it's sound, the whole body is sound. And if it's corrupt, the whole body is corrupt. Isn't it the heart? So those are the four hadiths that Abu Dawud said sufficed a person uh, in their religion. Any other questions? No other questions? Allah huh? Akbar. You know, there, I mean, the, 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 the agreed upon abrogations are the, about the, the, the woman stays in her home until she dies, right? The, uh, um, and then the, uh, the divorce, um, the, the, um, rada'ats, there's, um, yeah, offhand I can't, I can't think of them right now. But the 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 abrogated the i the the idea that the ayatul saif abrogated all of these ayahs of akhlaq, there, it's it's very difficult to swallow that. And the proof I think that their muhkama is that there's no ikhtidaf. There should be no ikhtidaf in the Qur'an. We can, we can differ about what the Qur'an means, but if you have ikhtilaf about whether a hukum is, is nasikh or mansukh, you should go that it's, it's, uh, that it's muhkam, that it's applicable. And those hadiths that they consider abrogated are really abrogated for the government, not for individuals. So the government doesn't forgive for wrongs that occur to citizens, whereas a person can forgive the wrongs that are done to them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Subhanakallah. I'm a little tired. I'm going to apologize also uh, for the... Um, I haven't been around as much, but I'm actually uh, at the end of a very long period of just doing too much. So my apologies for not... I would really like to spend more time with people, but... I'm actually physically very, very exhausted. And uh, I don't even like to teach in the state because my brain doesn't function as well uh, as it does when I'm rested. And um, so I'm worried about just recalling things and forgetting things. So. Anyway, um, I just, you know, I 
I know everybody's... I'm happy to just be here with you all, but my sincere apologies for not being more um, social. Yeah, so my time is up. Yeah. <laughs>